Rabbit Holes, a uniquely Pacific Northwest podcast. I'm Shay. And I'm Jody. And on each episode, we take you on a journey through the weird, the wacky, and the wonderful tales that make the Pacific Northwest so special. So grab your North Face jacket, strap on your Tevas, pour yourself a cup of Northwest roasted coffee, and let's, let's fall down the rabbit hole. Hey, Shay, close your eyes. Okay, they're closed. It's 1955, Anchorage, Alaska. You are looking at the largest landowner of all of Alaska. Describe to me what this person looks like. Uh, Probably a big, beefy, bearded man. No, you are incorrect. What? The largest landowner in the 1950s Alaska was Zula Swanson. She was an African-American woman with a past most would have predicted to result in a life of poverty and despair, and we wouldn't even be talking about her today but not Zula Swanson. So in honor of Black History Month and Women's History Month, let's dive down this rabbit hole on a really driven woman who didn't know she was supposed to fail. All right, I'm excited. Let's do it. Zula Swanson became an enterprising business owner and real estate developer, but started by much simpler means. Swanson was born in Jackson Gap, Alabama in 1981, where her and her family lived on a cotton plantation. Unfortunately, little was known about her childhood except for that she was eager to leave it behind. The living conditions were very harsh under Jim Crow laws, and the lack of opportunities for African Americans were, were real. So she moved to Portland, Oregon in 1918 at the age of 27, where she worked as a dressmaker. Did she move with her family or did nope. she move all by, by herself, herself. Wow. all by herself? What was her family like? Were like does is there anything about what kind of class they were? No, there's nothing really written about her as a uh, her young childhood except for where she was born and that her family lived on a cotton plantation. This is post civil war so they were not slaves but they were still working the plantation okay. and she would have grown up there as a child probably working as well okay and so and she then, was eager to leave yeah. for other opportunities and she did she went to Portland Oregon in 1918 at 27 years old and became a dressmaker if you've followed our other episodes um, dressmakers often or or seamstresses often were pseudonyms for prostitutes. And I don't think she was doing that at the time. She was mar- She does get married to a chauffeur and mechanic. However, that that um, marriage is short-lived. So she was not very, married for very long. But she is married during this time while she's a dressmaker. After her divorce, she now is in her early 30s. She's single. It's 1920s Oregon. They're barely coming out of the Wild West phase. The first rail line was completed in Oregon in 1869. So up until 1869, it it was wagons, horses, and feet that got you to Oregon. Now, Zula does arrive by train, but it's still a pretty Wild West situation in Portland at that time. So it was rough, and she's there by herself. And now she's in her 30s and single again. So what does she do? She found herself completely financially distraught, so she starts prostituting. And she becomes a prostitute in Oregon and Washington during the 1920s. But she's smart about it. And she has saved every single penny. She's forward thinking. Mm-hmm. She knows someday that she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to do this forever, obviously. Sure. And, and you really can't. That's a time limited profession. So by the end of the decade, she narrowly escapes a drunk driving charge that involved the death of a woman while at the same time her associate is jailed for bootlegging. Full disclosure on this, I have not been able to find any reports of her uh, arrests. Okay. Uh, her drunk driving incident, anyone dying or bootlegging. Uh, the 
newspapers. There's nothing in any of our old newspapers. There's nothing in any public records as far as arrests or anything. But this is widely reported in any report, any reporting of Zula Swanson anywhere. This is this is what's reported of her. So So we're going with unverified by newspaper accounts, but it's it's the tale that's told. And we'll get to that as well, because that's pretty much the story of Zula's. The tale that's told. So, yeah, so that's what's widely reported for her. And so what she does in that instance is she flees Oregon where she was arrested at that time. And she heads to Anchorage, Alaska. It's 1929, Anchorage, Alaska, and she wants to start anew. Was there railway linking... Oregon and Alaska, or would this have been, do you have any idea of how she got there? I am not sure how she traveled there. Uh, That's coming up in the explanation of Alaska right now, what she was arriving to. Okay, Uh, It's 1929. And here she is single again. She's African American. She's almost 40 at this time. And she's headed to Anchorage, Alaska, where the population is 2,736. And 80% of that is men. Yeah, there's no airlines bringing them in. There is now currently in 1926, the first airline shows up, but they are transporting goods, uh, not people, not not passengers. So they're still not arriving by plane. There are cars at this time. The first car arrives to Anchorage, Alaska in 1915. And most people, 60% of families in the lower 48 during this time do have cars. But Anchorage is a little different. So not everybody has cars. They're rare. Again, I don't know how she gets there. Um, There is a rail line. They're still working to... There's a rail line in Alaska. I don't know that it connects to Oregon, though. That's quite a ways. And they are still working to connect other areas of Alaska to Anchorage. So I'm not sure uh, where the connections are. So there may have been some seabound right travel and then so she's really jumping into the unknown we are talking 2,700 people in a town and nowhere things are very hard to get resources it's mainly men and so this brave woman to start anew is on her own and headed to Anchorage, Alaska. She's African-American, single, in her Mm. 40s in 1929. Well, and I'm wondering, too, if the fact that it is so many men and she's in the sex trade, if that's part of the reason why why Alaska, right? Yeah. It's a little bit of the... uh, And it may be. It may be that she knows that she's got a good good source of money flow and because of that, because sure. they're mainly men, it could be that she's going where laws don't really matter. Ah, uh, yeah. It could be that she is just a brilliant businesswoman, and we'll get to that right after our break. Let's okay. take a break right here. While we take this little break, I want to talk about a couple of things real quick. First off, I have a couple of corrections to make about my own podcast. <laughs> First off, it is not spelled point oriel ponderay it's spelled pend oriel and as i was editing and listening back i realized once again shay you're being a big hot dummy it's not point oriel it's pend oriel but it still does not translate to ponderay so i still wasn't that wrong and also when i suggested that you should listen to the podcast women's herstory i was also completely wrong because it's not women's herstory that great podcast is actually called world herstory <laughs> kind of totally different 
So that's Correction Corner. And on the subject of podcasts, I want to share with you guys a podcast that I just discovered last week, and I can't stop listening to it. It's called Ireland Crimes and Mysteries, and it is a true crime podcast about murders and unexplained disappearances from Irish history. Do they have really great accents? Her accent is amazing. Oh, I love it. I'm definitely listening. And it's not gory in any way. She really does try to focus on the victims more. And she's just a great storyteller. There's a lot of Irish lore in some of these, which plays into one of the ones I recently listened to that was about a husband who murdered his wife because he thought that she had been taken by a fairy and replaced with a changeling. Oh, a changeling. It was so good. It was so good. So definitely listen to Ireland Crimes and Mysteries. It's on my list now. Yeah. You can get anywhere you listen to things. Awesome. All right. Back to it. So we're back from the break. And we are now with Zula. And she has just entered Anchorage, Alaska, 1929. And what she finds there is a small frontier town populated mostly by white working class men. And they're working as fishermen, loggers, laborers, and miners. Swanson saw a lucrative business opportunity in prostitution and gambling. Obviously, with the the 80% male population, she was like, ding, 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 ka-ching. Horny lumberjacks. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, they're out working hard all day. And okay, now that's a a side topic. Mm, They must smell. Well, I do think that a lot of back in the day, a lot of brothels, part of the services was that they could have a bath. Oh, that would be great. Because a lot that of was for boarding them, not houses for the guys. did not have bathrooms, right? You had maybe a sink in your room, maybe, and then there would be like a community bathroom, but maybe not any bathing facilities. So I do know that a lot of brothels, they would offer a bath as you could have a bath for five cents or whatever back in the day, right? And so I think that that was probably an important service so that the... I feel uh, like it should be required. Sex, right? So the sex workers there <laughs> didn't have to deal with somebody who maybe hadn't bathed all week and he had been out in the woods doing right. hard labor. Exactly. And, yeah. That's exactly exactly the swampy, smelly feeling I was get thinking about this. You're like, my head's, my head's going nowhere below the neck, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's not coming anywhere within 20 feet of you. Doggy style only. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Okay. So she now has come up with a great business plan, and she's purchased a burned out building on a downtown corner for $2,000 and built the Polar Hotel. It's a brothel disguised as a boarding house. She's also opened the Rendezvous Hotel, which includes a lounge served as a networking space for African Americans as the city at the time was still segregated. So this became a meeting point for African Americans. And the bar often was also the first stop for new arrivals looking for employment and housing. The Rendezvous uh, Hotel also featured an, a secret g- casino for gambling. Ooh. So, and I'm not sure, I'm, a, I'm picturing in my head, obviously, a card game, not so much a, a no... They didn't have video slot machines? No slot machines, I'm <laughs> guessing. Um, so she was also into the gambling a little bit. So she was into the making money the seedy way. You go, Zula, get it, girl. You go get it, girl. It's out there. Go yeah. take it because... And it, and it works out for her. So Swanson, she prospered in part by forming a partnership with local white civic leaders. So she was super smart and mm-hmm. her planning and thinking ahead. She obviously did a great job communicating with people of all types, all members of society to be able to 
offer services to the lumberjack and also communicate professionally with her civic leaders she who were white. Um, she managed to be well-rounded, it looks well, like. Well, and I wonder how many of those civic leaders were also her customers. Okay, so here we are. Oh, yay. In 1930, she began, began a decades-long affair with a prominent but unnamed white businessman who had clout and influence reported and reportedly helped her avoid brushes with law enforcement. So right. she had a pocket guy. Nice. Is he considered the pimp? No. Probably not. He didn't take money for her from her uh, deals, but... No, but her. I mean, maybe she's, I mean, a little bit of sex in exchange. They were bartering. Her. Sure. Nothing Bart- wrong with that. Nothing wrong with bartering. Hey, if anybody has anything that they would like to offer us, and we will do a commercial for you. We are into bartering. Oh, my God. That makes it sound like we're offering sexual services. I mean, for, I'm, I... For, for goods... For small businesses. I mean, I am old now and a grandma, so that's on you, Shay. <laughs> Shay here's gorgeous, by the way. I am super hot. I'd pay good money here. I am super hot. Okay, okay just uh, I'm going to clarify. Okay. I am not offering sexual services I'm not, to our and listeners I'm, in any way for anything. I'm not pimping her out either. I'm just bragging about her. <laughs> Okay, let's get back to Zula, okay, back- who did actually exchange sexual services for favors. Yes, favors of fine. some kind, at least, to avoid brushes with law enforcement, if not other things. And throughout the 40s and 50s, she purchased additional commercial and residential lots in the city as low as $700. Due to her business acumen and resourcefulness, by the 1960s, she was one of the largest landowners in the state. Wow. Yep. She just went about collecting things. She really just was not just scrapping for money in the moment. She really was looking for the long haul, how to make the most of it. She It's just, that's incredible. Right. At this time, she's a woman. She's a woman of color. And she's a woman who is a sex worker, mm-hmm. mainly. But also, she's a shrewd businesswoman and obviously is smart as hell. Right. And to become the largest landowner in the Alaska. state. Right. Which wasn't a state at the time, by the oh, way. Oh, that's true. It was a, That's a why territory? it keeps calling it all of Alaska, but not the state of Alaska. Is it a territory? Yeah. So they become a state, I believe, 19, 1970s when they start, the census starts. Census Bureau is monitoring their 1970? population. Mm-hmm. Is when the census, so I had to go back to get their population statistics, and it was not with the uh, U.S. Census Bureau. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah, we were not monitoring at that time. When she was in 1929, 1950s, they do not start monitoring ni- till 1970. Okay, that's crazy. I didn't realize yeah. that it was that recent. I know. I mean, I thought that about as recent as-, as I am almost. I know. I mean, if it happened before I was born, did it matter? Right. Well, it's just ancient history then, for sure. Are you calling me old? Well, I mean, I'm older than you, and I agree with this assessment. <laughs> Okay. All right. Back to Zula, largest <laughs> landowner uh, in the territory of Alaska. And then, so she stole, sold one of her downtown lots and re- for reportedly as much as $250,000 in 1969. Wow. In 19, I'm sorry, 1962. And to, That's insane money yep, back then. By today's standards, it's $2.1 million. Shit. So she sold that lot. Get it, get it, girl, get it. And it became JCPenney's. 
which is oh my currently J.C. Penney's in uh, Anchorage, Alaska to Wait, this day. Hold on, there's still a J.C. Penney's, right? In there Anchorage. are some. There's some. You know that is we went to South Center Mall. That's only literally where, old men where get their I underwear. Hey, that's where I, all my school clothes. That's my mom's favorite store to take us. Yes, back in the 1980s. Yes, but today, yeah. yep, it's only where my dad gets his underwear. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> just outed you. You know, Target's better for that. There, uh, Amazon's better for that. Right, dad. That's true. Of course, then you're you know promoting an evil capitalist company, but that's okay. Let's let's keep going. Let's Moving. not pr- promote them. But I will be shopping for them. Probably like I shopped there shopped. today. I'll probably shop there later today. It saves me from leaving my house. I know. Which I hate leaving. I can't do because I go to Costco and I have a panic attack. Anyways, oh, I. Have a panic attack at the cash cash register, and I'm like, "Dang it! Do I need all That's this true. stuff? <laughs> How did I get to 176? Okay, what am I, I not going to get? Like avocados and cheese. 176 dollars. <laughs> I leave there with 600. I'm like, I don't need this. Oh, I've never. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, if I'm buying a huge thing, like you know, we bought our hot tub there, and that I, was like eight thousand dollars. But go in the kitchen section; it's over. <laughs> All right, moving okay, on. Okay, back to back to Zola. Zola. Oh my gosh, back to Zola. Where she sold a lot for. So in 1969, uh, yes. Yeah, so 1962, she sells this lot to to a developer who later develops JC Penney's. Uh, and that 1969, Ebony. 69. 1969. <laughs> yes. 69. Because <laughs> it's a so, sexual position. I, teenage boys apparently are who I like to hang out with. Shea Fitz, right? And just kidding. See, oh my god, you gotta bad. you gotta nix that because now I sound like a creeper. No, leaving it in. <laughs> no, this right. This is where you have control over me. <laughs> just kidding. You heard it here first. Jody likes to hang out with teenage boys. I actually have very little experience with that. <laughs> okay, all right. It's coming though. The grandkids will get that. That's someday. true. Okay, 1969 Ebony magazine called her Alaska's richest black. Zula was also a founding member of the Anchorage chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or the NAACP, in 1951. She uh, joined the Daughters of the Elks and Northern Lights Civics and Social Club. And so she was very, very involved in her community and with other business people in the area. And I imagine mostly businessmen. There can't be too many businesswomen, although um, there are photos that are going to be included in our uh, social media postings about this. So you'll see pictures of her where she is with a group of leaders and not all of them are white and not all of them are men. Wow. She's older at this point, very much older. Sure. In the picture, but you'll see that she continues throughout her life to dedicate herself to her community and especially the African American community. By 1960, Swanson is semi retired. She's leased out her rendezvous hotel to a white couple and built herself a suburban home in Goose Lake and continued um, her civic work. Zula Swanson died in Anchorage, Alaska on January of 1973 at the age of 82. Wow. She really left her mark in Anchorage for women, for African Americans, and for those that work in the red light district. We have covered Zula Swanson's life from birth to death. Let's talk about where she lives in our history in present day. Zula Swanson's presence in history is unfortunately very little. I was able to find quite a few websites that touch on her, but they are all pretty much the same. Social media posts are 
just blurbs from those reports. There's no newspaper articles of her, hmm. none even in that time era. There is one in or in 2020 where they discuss Zula again, but they really touch on the same, um, what we know about her from what I've just told you okay. and what all the other websites cover. So there's not a lot there. There is a court case I was able to find from 1955, Zula Swanson versus USA. And basically she was she posted bail for somebody who was arrested for narcotics and he didn't show up for his court appearances. So the mm. US government had her on the hook for it. It was a really long legal document. So I did not really read the entire sure. thing, but but the the gist of it, what I got was she did post bail for somebody who was arrested uh, for a narcotics charge. She caught wind that he was not going to show up for his court case. So she went in and revoked his bail. Oh. So she was able to prove that during her court case, and then the, the charges against her were dropped since um, she oh. was able to prove that she was not on the hook any longer for this fella. Sure. So obviously she kept good friends too, huh? Yeah. Despite not having a lot a large written record of Zula, she is often mentioned in African American and red light district history. She is a pioneer in many, many ways. She was African American, she was female, and she was doing the seedy work of sex, gambling and bootlegging in the middle of nowhere. That's yeah. just a true pioneer. She's mentioned in a few books. Again, just little quick blurbs where they mention her name, a little bit of background like we've given you today, but nothing concrete, nothing in the way of records. A couple books you can find information in her about her in is Blacks on a Background of White by Everett Overstreet, Walking on Water, Black American Lives at the Turn of the 21st Century by Randall Keenan, and Good Time Girls of the Alaska Yukon Gold Rush by Lael Morgan, where she's featured for her business acumen and in that environment. Um, I kind of want to read that book. No, I was going to say there's... We should get it on... We need to put it on the business account. <laughs> yeah. Th I was going to say that, that that book does have several people that I think we would be interested in reading about. And then also we have... Uh, they have... He has several different versions. So this is the Yukon Gold Rush, but he has Good Time Girls of all. Yes. All I'm into it. Earth, yes. <laughs> so, you know, covering... I mean, what a, an important component that was so looked down upon, but I mean, really, it kept these towns running. Well, it, something that's really interesting, too, is, you know, we talked about Lou Graham a couple weeks ago and how she helped people. She wasn't just a, mm -hmm, a sex worker mm -hmm. or a madam. She helped her community and she helped these women have a little bit better of a life and she contributed to the community she brought in children that were needy and it sounds like zula had a lot of yes the same <clears throat> attributes she did beyond she, being a, a, a great businesswoman it's almost this peter pan i was thinking about this while you were doing the the lou the lou graham and i had known about zula and i was thinking it's almost the peter pan you know she's in the sex field she's in the seedy world She's doing illegal things, but she is really keeping the town alive. She's supporting a lot of people who couldn't really support themselves. She's in the community making a better city for Anchorage. Sure. She's she's building a, a better place for women to be. She's building a better place for African Americans to be. She's building a safer place to be a sex worker. Mm -hmm. She's taking that money and she's putting it back to the good. You think you know, the, more a Robin Hood? More Robin Hood. That's Peter what Pan. I meant. Yes. Oh, my not, good God. I was not God. connecting Peter Pan. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Yeah. The guy in the green suit. Yeah, the guy in the green tights. <laughs> Wasn't it Carrie Elwes in uh, Men in Tights? <laughs> We're men. We're men in tight, tight tights. Okay. Sorry, oh, I can't believe on. I mixed up my fairy tales. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. So those are the books she was found in. And then she's mentioned in a few newspaper articles at the time. They're not about her, but she's not the main character, but she's mentioned as someone who was there in the area at the time and doing business, or she did business with a the main character of a story, but okay. really not mentioned as the main character. Sure. There is also a whole YouTube video about her, um, but basically it's just all this read aloud. So. Okay. <laughs> Um, between um, all the sites. Now, I, I am sharing multiple, multiple uh, resources that I went to. But again, I was just pulling little bits from each of them. They're all very much the same. I was not the only person who noted the lack of information, actual factual information that you can find on Zula. There was a student, Emily Hall, at the University of Anchorage, who wrote her thesis on Zula. Um, I was able to find her her initial work and the whole thesis is about the fact that there is very little information on Zula. She's essentially disappeared from history, but I was able to, to learn one extra bit of information from her brief thesis proposal. I don't, I haven't even seen the official thesis. I don't think it's done yet because the proposal was May of 2023. Oh, these things do take, they take years. Yes. Years. So it's, it's probably not finished. But one thing to note from there that I did find there that I did not find anywhere else is that Zula's house that she had built in Goose Lake burned to the ground in 1977. So four years after she died, it burnt to the ground and that's where all of her real records were kept. So Anything that she held as records have all been destroyed by a fire, and there doesn't seem to be much else out there for records. So that is our our rabbit hole on Zula Swanson. Um, that was I, great. I I really found a kinship with her in a couple ways. Like she had no shame uh, in who she was, who she was, like yeah. who she was born as. She's born African American at a time when, you know, that wasn't. You know, I think you were two thirds of a no, three fifths of a human. She, you know, had no shame in who she was born as. She held no shame in what she did for a profession. In fact, held herself to the same esteem as other local businessmen. She went to those meetings. She was in those clubs. She was on those committees, and she, you know, no shame in what she did for a living. And I I really loved that about her because I, I feel like a lot of shame we have in life is ridiculous human implemented shame and sure. she she would never have succeeded she would have had she gone along with our societal shame for who she was she we would never be talking about her today so i was um really impressed by that the other thing i felt she was such a great success and being as old as i am now and through what i've been through in life and succeeded where i've succeeded i know she did not do that with multiple multiple failures she you just don't get to that level of success, right. success without hitting failure too so she was not afraid to fail and i love that about her i think i've learned to do that i've failed at multiple things and i'm sure she's lost her shirt on on at least one if not several business uh property deals sure i'm sure you know she had her relationship with her businessman that kept her protected and got her into areas of society that she may have not been able to that that took negotiation that Mm -hmm. took communication and she did that very well i'm sure it didn't come with uh there was probably errors there sure and And i'm sure she just kept persevering at that time in alaska was probably still a little bit lawless in some ways Mm -hmm. and being a woman being a woman of color 
I wouldn't be surprised if she had been assaulted more than once. Right. And That's what I was still thinking. managed to rise above that and didn't let herself be a victim. She Yep. She kept persevering. 100%. She kept surviving. Now, th- that's just me speculating. Of course, we don't have any actual verification of that. Right. Nothing about that. It um, really is sad because there's these great people in history, these women in history, that their stories are lost to time because at the time they weren't deemed important enough to absolutely k- to have a history. Whereas we know everything about all the bearded white men that founded Seattle. <laughs> right. Know? And why and what they yes. were going through at and the now, time and, and why they made certain decisions. Like and... we, that's why we have Yesler and blah, 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 and all these other streets. But there's these people that are so much more Seattle interesting to me. <laughs> in general. <laughs> right. It's just so much more interesting to me, these people, that they started from very much... Meager. Meager, yeah, and... Somebody who who wasn't supposed to be able to succeed in society because they were looked down upon as less than a full human, whether it's being a person of color or being a woman, and they managed to rise to such success. It's just a shame that we don't have right. more of their story. Her path at birth should have been where, in, where she lived on a plantation, grew up on the plantation, probably stayed on a plantation working as you know help on another one as an adult. Maybe marrying someone, having a couple of kids, continuing that life. Right. And that's not what she decided to do. And she just decided that's not who I am, not what I want to do. And I'm not going to follow these rules. And that how, was societal rules yeah. right then. And, and she how said, I'm not going to do it. At that time to move across the country. Right. She goes from Alabama to Oregon, which is already like, whoa. Yeah, and then, you, you just show up like, how do you figure out like, where are you going to live? I'm sure there's probably newspaper articles that you can, or places you can mail to, but that's your kind of limita- limited, right? right? That, and that's what we're missing in this story is what spurred her to go to Oregon? What yeah, did she Oregon? have to do to get there? What did she have to do to plan? What were the struggles on the way there? Who why did she Oregon? meet when she got there? Yeah, why Oregon? I mean, at the time, everybody was going Wanting to go to Oregon. There, everybody was going west. Yeah. Going west. And Oregon became this. The Willamette Valley was something that people wanted. So, But we don't know why she chose Oregon. We don't know why she chose to go alone. And what were her thoughts on that? And then again, to just do that whole that whole scenario again at almost 40 years old and, yeah. and head up to Anchorage, Alaska, nowhere. By the way, in, uh, uh, for contrast, so she shows up in Anchorage, Alaska in 1929, where the population is 2,736. When she dies in 1973, the population is 149,440. Wow. So, <laughs> whoa, population explosion while yeah. she's there. Wow. While she's there, 147,000 more people show up. Wow, that's crazy. Um, today, it's 401,000, so even more since the 70s. So it just continues to grow. But she was definitely a pioneer. When you show up to Anchorage, Alaska at a time when there's 2,736 people, 80% of them men, and you're a female African-American single (laughs) sex trade worker, you're a pioneer of all pioneers. (laughs) You know, it's interesting, though. Places like Alaska still are a popular place to move to for the sex trade because there still is a lot of people in the fishing industry up there and they'll work for like six months solid and then they'll get off of their fishing boat or whatever and you know you've been on a boat with Mm -hmm. a bunch of other fishy smelling dudes (laughs) for six months i don't blame them for wanting a little action or fishy smelling girl (laughs) (laughs) a little a little fish gross jody (laughs) i promise (laughs) 
So if she smells like fish, she needs to have a, a little boric acid suppository. I'll take care of that. I promised myself I was going to behave this episode. I've been so poorly behaved. It's a episode about a sex worker. We can't keep it straight laced. <laughs> but I was listening. I have a podcast that I like to listen to, and I can't remember the name of it. Oh, it's called Sex with Strangers. It's really interesting. They talk to people in different sex trades and people in different sexual communities all over. And one of the ones he did was sex workers in, is it North Dakota where the Falcons are? Where they're doing all the mining, all the coal mining and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I think it is North Dakota. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> that's one of the hottest places for sex workers to go. They can go there and they can make in six months $100,000. Okay. So this summer, we're not going to go... <laughs> We're then we can do this full time. We can do this for All we need to do is get our husbands to be okay with us being sex workers for no. six months and we'll be set. If we tell them the dollar amount, do you think? I still don't think so. Because then your husband would be like, then I have to go kill yes, yes, this many people. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fact. <laughs> He yeah. would, this would this would never pass muster with my husband. Sorry, we're gonna have to keep it secret. No, I'm kidding. I I just couldn't. I just can't imagine having to pretend <laughs> that much for that long. Right? <laughs> like I think about no. Um, I think your doggy style version was the best. Yeah. You can just go whatever. I mean, you could look at your phone while you're doing <laughs> it. Just occasionally make some noises. Oh yeah, give it to me, no. Big Daddy. No, oh, put, no. Put the sounds on your phone then. They- Oh God! I just play a recording of somebody else having sex. <laughs> I'm learning with all because I have so many, so many uh, pokers in the fire, as Keith would say. So many pokers, <laughs> pokers. <laughs> I'm learning how to um, maximize my time effort. So yeah, you can totally. <laughs> I know. Pre-record your responses. I could be doing other things. Like I could be emailing people on my phone while those sounds are going. Doing business on your phone while While he's doing business. He's doing his business. I'm doing my business. Works for everybody. Oh my God. Here we go. We can't we can't do one episode. (laughs) Started started out real great. I'm so professional. All right, we should probably end this. Yes, it, Zula, Zula, sorry to disrespect you. We're not disrespecting Zula. We have just talked for 15 minutes yeah. about how much we appreciate, we appreciate her. her. And then, oh, and make sure you see her her pictures on the podcast uh, Instagram, Rainy Day Rabbit Holes Pod. Well, she is such just a beautiful visit our website, and you yes, can find and our where website. to go to see everything. And listen, her pictures, she's just a beautiful woman. It's, you know, we're talking the 1920s. She's got these perfect white teeth. I know she did not have an orthodontist. I'm wondering if they were dentures. She's kind of young in this pictures and they uh, don't matter. look like dentures. Depending on your dental care, you could need, you could gorgeous. need dentures by your 30s. And then she had her, everything was like her eyebrows were perfectly done. Ooh. Like probably 90s well, thin, 90s thin. I mean, it, what? yeah, she, somebody was. She maintaining her face. It was beautiful. Nice. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting because we have to work so hard at <laughs> There are multiple salons up and down the roads where we go to look like that. <laughs> she did it without those. That's all I thought. That's why I thought it was just, wow, look at her. Well, that was a great story. Thank you, Jody. Yes, you're welcome. Well, guys, thank you so much. And make sure to go and hit the 
auto download option wherever you listen to this podcast. And that means that this podcast will just magically appear when you wake up Wednesday morning. That's all you need to do. Auto download. It's perfect. Then you're just like, oh, I get to check in with Shay and Jody on my commute. Yeah, it's how I remember it's actually Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) And you can head to our website, rainydayrabbitholes.com. If you have any ideas for a story, if you have a great story about the Pacific Northwest that you want us to share on the podcast or that you just want to share with us, maybe you had a murder in your family. Maybe you were a pen pal with a serial killer. I don't know. Maybe you know of another amazing madam of Pacific Northwest history that we need to talk about. So you can email us through the website or you can email me directly at Shay, S-H-E-A, at rainydayrabbitholes.com. Jody's email for some reason isn't working right now. I got to figure that out. And uh, look, next month we will have a Patreon and we're going to have some fun stuff for that. So just keep tuned. All right. I'm so excited. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next time and see you down the rabbit hole. name of our biography pulling it out of our ass the rainy day rabbit holes story <laughs> who's playing you in our movie <laughs>